listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Today may help answer your question, because we're going to talk about, and you could make it like a checklist, and say, are any of these things present in my life? Are any of these things present uh, right now in my mind? Is Is this the way I'm thinking or living? And it's going to help you immensely. So I want you to take, um, take a pad, pen, whatever you got, your phone, your tablet, take notes on this and make it an introspective checklist and say, man, is this holding me back? Is this holding my faith back from working? Is this holding my miracle back? Because we want to please God through faith. But these six things we're going to cover today will actually hinder your faith. Hey, Miss Cynthia, there's Brother Jeff Van Hoos. Love you. Good to see everybody on today. Again, please uh, share this broadcast. So important. Mike Frost said, Floriana will send a testimony in what we sowed Sunday to you guys. We've already received three times as much back. Praise God. This Sunday, I was in Virginia Beach, Virginia at Dominion Christian Center, my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth's church, and uh, Mike and Floriana, who are partners, sowed a seed in that offering and said they've already received three times as much back as a harvest. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, let's jump into these. I want to take the time to go through these from the scripture to make sure, you know, that you, you catch this because we want our faith to always be at work. My faith, in, for, in fact, hey, Carmen, as we start, hey, Ashley, put this in the comments. My faith should always be working. Put that in the comments to start today. It's so important. My faith should always be working. There's my friend, Ben Fole. Love you, man. Put it in the comments. Now, the reason I say it like that, you say, well, I always have faith. Yeah, of course. Somebody follow Heather Ramsey first to put it in. My faith should always be working. Listen, you say, well, yeah, of course I've always got faith in God. Yes, but don't forget faith is an action, right? Faith stays in action. Uh, James wrote, faith without works is dead being alone. Faith without works is dead being alone. So your faith cannot just be a feeling, an emotion, or a thought. It has to have action attached to it. That's a confession. That's a step of faith. That's a seed. It could be, it could be multiple different things, but Our faith should be connected to an action. And so in order to, when I had you write, my faith should always be working. What I mean by that is that there should always be something you're doing that shows your faith in action. You could ask yourself, what is it that I'm doing right now that is showing that my faith is in action? That if somebody were to say to you, well, do you have faith in, in what God's called you to do or what God said to you? You could say, not just, yeah. You could say, yeah, look at this. Look what I'm doing. Look at the actions I've taken. Look at, look at what I've sown. Look at what I'm saying. Look at what I'm doing. See, so faith uh, is an action. Faith without works is dead. So throughout your life, you can't ever stop pleasing God by faith. You've got to continue to please him. 
So as we level up, you ask yourself the question, what am I doing right now that is showing my faith at work? Showing my faith at work. My faith should always be working. Always be working. So uh, the, the, the six things that we're going to deal with today, uh, as I've labeled them, they're fatal mistakes that short circuit your faith. You know, faith can be stopped from working. It can be stopped. And, and you don't want to ever be in that position because once faith is stopped, then you're no longer pleasing God. And that's not our desire. We want to please him every day. So let, let's deal with this. And I'll deal with the baseline first. You ready for this? Once your love is short-circuited, then your faith is short-circuited. So number one, write it in the comments, number one, love. This is the foundational principle of faith. It's the foundational principle of faith. So <clears throat> put it in the comments. Number one, my love must be working for my faith to be working. And you know, it's easy to say you love, <laughs> but just like faith, love is an action. Woo. That'll put some conviction on people, man. Just like faith, love is an action. So notice this, uh, for God so loved the world that what he gave the giving of Christ was God's action that proved his love. Hallelujah. The giving of Jesus was God's action that proved he loved. Jesus gave himself, right? Love's an action. And so uh, it's easy to say, well, yeah, I love you, but I, you know, no. What are you doing that proves that you love somebody? Um, one of the ways that we do that is by, uh, you know, treating others in a way that is defined by the fruit of the spirit. I have patience with you, right? I'm gentle with you. All that you go through the love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. I don't act in uh, arrogance toward you. I act in humility towards you. That's a form of love. That's a form of love. And when we walk in love, walk in love. See, if you're not walking in love, you can't be walking in faith. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter five, uh, verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You see that only faith working through love. So, so get it in your spirit. Faith works through love. That's the book of Galatians chapter five and verse number six, faith works through love, right? Faith works through love. And so if our, if our love's not working, then our faith won't be working. And it's easy, man. Let me tell you, especially, especially in 2022, it is easy to just get ticked off at people, cut them off, get bitter, wa stop walking in love towards them, you know, hold what, hold their, hold their issues against them. He's an idiot. I'm not, I'm, the, I'm done with, I'm not talking, you know, or treating people harshly. It's easy. Let me tell you, your flesh wants to do that. It's easy to do that. 
<laughs> That's why we have so much division in the church. That's why we have so much, so many problems, issues, drama, because your flesh wants to do that. That's the first, literally, that is the first um, response of the carnal flesh is to get angry, is to be short, is to be arrogant, is to come at somebody. That's the first response. But see, notice the Holy Spirit restrains you and he empowers you to restrain yourself. And instead of doing what your flesh wants to do, you walk in love toward that person. You walk in love toward that person. As long as you walk in love, it ensures your faith will be active. Why do you think the devil's trying to pull so many people into division? Why do you think he's trying to pull so many people into bitterness, into anger, into, uh, you know, all these, all these emotions of the flesh that gets you to act a certain way towards somebody. The reason the enemy wants that, he knows that once you get out of love, you're out of faith. Hallelujah. If you're out of love, you're out of faith. Let me read to you from first John chapter four. First John chapter four. That's right. Brother Kevin Dalton said we react because we react in the wrong way. That's right. We have to react in the right scriptural proper way. First John chapter four. Let me start reading from verse number seven. Listen to this beloved. Let us love one another for love is from God. Hallelujah. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here, it's getting ready to get real, real convicting right here. Real quick. You ready for this? Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Hmm. Verse nine in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That's what I told you earlier. The proof of God's love was sending Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 10 in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Hmm. I love it. I want to jump down real quickly. Are you ready for this? Cause here's where it gets real convicting to verse 20. <laughs> first John four 20. Listen to this. If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar <laughs> for the, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. See that anybody that says he loves God and hates his brother is a liar. So the love fails when, or the, excuse me, the faith fails when the love fails. Faith fails when love fails. Hey, Pastor Sam Fitch, love you. Faith fails when love fails. In fact, put that into the comments just like that. Faith fails when love fails. Faith fails when love fails. And so you got to guard yourself. You have to guard yourself against falling out of love. Guard yourself. <laughs> Sam Fitch said that includes mother-in-laws. <laughs> Faith fails when love fails. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. 
There was an old um, motivational speaker that used to speak to the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Cubs. Came to our church in Virginia. His name's Van Crouch. And he said, do you want to know what the definition of mixed emotions is? He said this from the pulpit. The definition of mixed emotions is when you, your mother-in-law drives your new Ferrari off of a cliff. <laughs> and it's true, Sam. It includes mother-in-laws. Um, number two, the second fatal mistake that will short-circuit your faith <laughs> is pride. Put it in the comments. Pride will short-circuit your faith. Pride will short-circuit your faith. Not me, personally. I have a great mother-in-law, but for others, for others. Um, <laughs> number two, pride will short-circuit your faith. He is funny, Brian. He's very funny. Um, in James, the book of James, chapter four, <laughs> I want to read you just a couple of verses. Um, in fact, let me start reading with verse number six. Um, the Bible says, but he, he referring to God, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to what? The humble. God gives grace. Get that. So that same Greek word there is the word for favor. God puts favor upon you when you're humble. But notice what the Bible says. But he opposes the proud. I don't want God to oppose me. You know, you think about what Paul wrote to the Romans. If God be for you, tell me who can be against you. Well, the opposite of that is also true. If God's against me, who can be for me? If God's opposing me, who can be on my side? It doesn't matter who's for you if God's against you. And the Bible says the moment you step into pride, the moment you walk in pride, Pride is something that causes God to oppose you. He opposes the proud, but gives more grace to the humble. And so I want to make sure that I'm not walking in pride. Pride is the, one of the main things that got Satan ejected from heaven. Lucifer was ejected from heaven based upon his pride. We read about it in the book of Isaiah. He said, I will ascend into the heavens. I will sit on the throne. I'll be like the most high. I'll... And he started declaring all those things. I will, I will, I will. And he started to make himself like God and make himself above God. God said, no, you won't. And struck him so hard that he ejected him from heaven. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. Pride is that same trait that Lucifer was operating in that caused him to be ejected from God's presence. What happened? God forcefully opposed him. <laughs> you don't want to catch a stiff arm from God. <laughs> God forcefully opposed him and he was ejected. And the Bible says it here uh, that he opposes the proud and gives more grace to the humble. Look at verse seven. So submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Notice it doesn't just say resist the devil. It says first, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. 
the most, let me just say it this way, maybe you've never thought of it like this or heard this said, the most humble thing you can do is submit yourself to God, which means to submit yourself to his word. The most humble thing, the greatest act of humility is submission to God's word. Woo! Man, that'll change you. Put it, put it in just like that. The greatest act of humility is submission to God's word. Why? Because we acknowledge that what he said is true in the book of Isaiah, right? Chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I don't know everything. I don't have the great plan for my life. God has that. He know, He's infinite. I'm finite. He's infinite. I'm finite. And if I decide, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. I've got a better plan for my life. I've got a better action I could take. That's pride. But when we step back and say, you know what? Whatever your word says, Lord, whatever your spirit leads me to do, that's what I'll do. Whatever your word says, whatever your spirit says, that's what I'll do. That is the greatest act of humility that anyone could ever take. Not my will, but your will be done. That's why we don't teach our children, as I've said many times. When you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. No, no. When you grow up, you've got to be what God called you to be. You've got to do what God called you to do. We don't choose. In fact, it's so important to remember, we don't even belong to ourselves, the Bible says. We've been bought with a price. We've been bought with a price. The blood of Jesus purchased us, brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So as Paul knew, as John knew, we are just servants of the most high God. The servant doesn't determine what he does with his life. The master does. The master does. And so I wait to hear from the Holy Spirit. The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because God called me to do it. That's it. That's the only reason God called me to do it. And so the greatest act of humility is to submit yourself to God's will. That's a great way to put it. Hallelujah. Because what happens? Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So can I show you something? Notice that we take the first step into God's presence. Draw near to God, and then he'll draw near to you. That's an act of humility and submission. I'm coming to him. I'm coming to him. And the moment, in the moment that you begin to uh, act with arrogance or pride, then um, God begins to oppose you. Stephen has a question in the comments. He said, if you have pride in your accomplishments, is that considered the same kind of pride and considered as opposable by God? Yeah, I wouldn't even say, I mean, you can be happy with what God has empowered you to do, but one of the mistakes that we can make is looking at the things we've accomplished. And the only reason we would have pride in them is by looking and say, I did that. But when you realize that everything that you have done or can do you've been empowered to do by God, then you realize it's not you anyway. It's God empowering you to do what you did or are going to do.
See, he gets the praise, Steve. He gets the glory. He gets the honor. He gets the worship because he's the only one that could have empowered me to even get as far as I've gotten now. I have a very real understanding that I'm not where I am today because of me, not even close, not even close. I'm not where I am today because of me. I am only here where I am today because God grabbed a hold of me by his mighty right hand and lifted me up and exalted me. That's the only way I could have had increase. Uh, I reference Psalm 75 verses six and seven. The Bible says promotion does not come from the east or the west or the south, but promotion comes from the Lord and he alone decides who will rise and who will fall. And I have to give him all the praise and all the glory and all the honor and all the credit because nothing that I have, nothing that I've done or ever will do could be credited to me. It's credited to who he's made me to be and what he's done through me. People say, well, you've gotten to where you've gotten. You're a very smart guy. Who do you think gave me the wisdom? Who do you think gave me the mind of Christ? Who do you think teaches me all things? Who do you think brings things to my remembrance? It's the Holy Ghost. It's God himself. So there's no way that I could take credit for my uh, anything. <laughs> I mean, literally anything. It's all from the Holy Ghost. And so I, I, to answer your question, Steve, I, say, I would say yes. I would not take pride in my accomplishments because I've not accomplished anything outside of the help of the Holy Spirit. Without the help of God. If it wasn't for him, there's nothing that I would have done. Nothing. He is my strength. He is my wisdom. He is my help. He is my teacher. He's all the things. And so he gets all the praise and the glory for it. And that's a good question because that's a, that's a common thought process. But we have to guard against it. We guard against it because we understand without, you know, when I was growing up, there was a song. Without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. That was a song we used to sing in church. Without him, I would be nothing. Without him, I'd surely fail. Without him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. And so you, you definitely, Don, can feel good about your accomplishments when you're partnering with God. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with uh, feeling good about your accomplishments, what God has empowered you to do. Happy that he's brought you this far. Happy that he's promoted you. Happy that, and then when you feel that happiness, when you feel that joy, praise him for it. Praise him for it. Thank him for it. And that activates his presence even more. And he starts to work on your behalf even further than he already has. When you praise him and worship him and thank him. And so we expel the all pride and we invite humility and we use self-control to stay in humility. Amen. So pride is the second area. The third area is sight. The third fatal mistake that can short circuit faith is natural sight. Put it in number three, natural sight. There's no question about this. Natural sight has destroyed people time and time again. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let me get this into your spirit. Sight, natural sight. Obviously not spiritual sight. I'm talking about what you see in the flesh, what you see in the 
carnal realm, the natural world, sight. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, let me start reading with verse 6, and I'll read verse 7. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Get that. We walk by faith and not by sight. What, What does that mean? Well, there's a lot of things that you could stop believing in God's word if you went by what you saw in the natural realm. You get a diagnosis from the doctor. Things seem to be getting worse in your body. You say, well, I guess it's just the way it's going to be. No, that's what you see with your natural eyes. That's your natural experience. But God's word says something different. And so there's always going to come a point in your life where you have to ask the question, whose report will I believe? Whose report will I believe? The answer, we will believe the report of the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. Glory to God. We walk by faith and not by sight because what you see in the natural can literally cause you to miss what God's doing in the supernatural. If you believe the report of the doctor over the word, if you believe what's going on in the economy over the word, if you believe what the government said over the word, I'll give you an example. During the winter, right before the winter, and I, I copied it and put it in this latest magazine. Uh, the White House pr- released a press release that said, expect a, sick, a, a, a winter filled with sickness and disease and the hospitals that you will fill. That, that was literally their quote in the press release. And I copied it. It's online. Expect a winter filled with sickness and disease and the hospitals that you will fill. And I sat back after I read that and thought, are you kidding me? Who put the government in charge of my healing covenant? That's stupid. You're not going to tell me to expect a winter filled with sickness and disease. Well, you know, cases are ramping up everywhere. That ain't going to be my story in Jesus name. I've got a covenant with a healer. And because I do, that won't be my story. That might be what you see in the natural. It ain't going to be for me. It's not going to be for you. I don't go by what I see. Well, get ready in the fall for food shortages. That's what they're telling us. Get ready for food shortages in the fall. I ain't going to have no food shortage. I ain't not going to have any food shortage in my house. I'll have plenty of food. I ain't rationing. I will not ration. I don't care if God has to send ravens with Big Macs and quesaritos from Taco Bell in their mouths to my house. I am not going to ration. My God doesn't run out of provision. Please. Expect Expect food shortages in the fall. I will have plenty. I will have an abundance and so will you. We don't go by what we see in the natural. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Penny, if you watch on YouTube, you can rewind the stream and watch from the beginning. She's asking what were points one and two. You can go back and you can watch if you watch on YouTube. I'll have plenty in Jesus name. I'm not going by what this world tells me is going to happen with an anti-Christ agenda. Cattle in Kansas City are dropping dead because of the heat. 
It's hotter here in Florida, and we don't have cattle dropping dead in central Florida. Trying to put a man-made shortage on God's people. Trying to put a, a forced famine on the world through an antichrist agenda. It ain't happening. It ain't coming to me. It's not touching my house or your house. We don't go by what we see. We go by what the Bible says. Whose report are we going to believe? And I refuse to let my faith be short-circuited by what I see in the natural realm. Well, brother, gas is over $5. I'm going to have to start. No, I ain't, I'm not stopping traveling. I'm not stopping what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm going to keep on going. And I'll do more than I've ever done. More than I've ever done. You're stopping me. Not stopping me. And not stopping you. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Hallelujah. You look anywhere in the Bible where people started allowing sight to govern their story. Peter walks out onto the water. Jesus had called him. He's doing the impossible. He's working toward walking toward the word who made flesh. And what does he do? He takes his eyes. This is a perfect story to see this. He takes his eyes off of the word made flesh and puts them on the world. You see that Peter took his eyes off of the word and put them on the world. What happened immediately? He began to sink. He began to sink because anytime you take your eyes off the word and start to believe the world, it causes you to diminish. And I refuse to decrease. I refuse to diminish. I will not move backwards by taking my eyes off of the word and putting them on the world. I'll not do it. You'll not do it. <laughs> West Barbie said, poke your neighbor in the eyes. Throw a three stooges, poke them in the eyes and say, we walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, uh, Steve, one of the, one of the points today is not fear, but, but it would play into sight because if you believe the, that's what happened to Peter. He looked and with his natural eyes, he saw what was going on, but it, it caused fear to rise up in him. That's what sight does. If you believe the report of the government, expect us a winter filled with sickness and disease that puts you in fear. My God, I'm going to get sick this winter. I'm going into the hospital this winter. If you believe the report of the government, get ready for food shortages in the fall. You start getting afraid. I need to hoard. I need to make sure I have, put you in fear. And that's what sight does. Sight will put you in doubt. Sight will put you in fear and you don't allow it. So you guard your sight. You don't put your sight on the natural world, put your sight on the word of God. And then, then you won't be overtaken by fear or doubt and your faith won't stop working. Amen. Number four, the fourth thing that'll keep your faith from working is sin. Go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. I'll read you the 23rd verse. 23rd verse. It's Romans chapter 14. Listen to the 23rd verse. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Woo. So it shows you there's two, there's two uh, opposing forces here. It's either of faith or it's of sin. It's either of faith or it's of sin. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to do what? Please God. 
So what is it called when you live a life that's displeasing to God? Sin. That's all that is. It's sin. You're either living a life that's pleasing to God, faith, or you're living a life that's displeasing to God, sin. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin, according to scripture. And so sin will short circuit faith from working in your life. Amen. Amen, Deborah. And so catch that. It's Romans 14, 23, Bonnie. Romans 14, 23. And you look at it, it's a divergent path. Any moment that you come up on this, on this choice, you have one of two ways. I can go the direction that pleases God or the direction that displeases God. And if I go the direction that pleases God, that's faith. If I go the direction that displeases God, that's sin. And so we keep that in front of our face all the time. Am I going to please him? Am I going to displease him? Faith or sin. If it does not proceed from faith, it is sin. Glory to God. Glory to God. Number five. Number five. Go to James chapter one. Get this in your spirit. The fifth fatal mistake that will short circuit your faith is double mindedness. This is a huge one. I could write and may write an entire book on this subject because it plagues the body of Christ. It plagues the body of Christ. Double minded people. They don't ever settle on one train of faith, one train of thought, double mindedness, man. Oh yeah, I believe that, but also, yeah, you know, I was going to do that, but I also kind of want to do this. And there's, there's a divergence in their mind, double-minded. And it's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I want to read you why in the book of James chapter one, starting with verse five, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Look at verse eight. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That is heavy, man. Did you see that? A double-minded person is completely and utterly unstable. And they should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Uh, Kim, that's James chapter one, verses five through eight. James chapter one, verses five through eight. Don't let that person think that they will receive anything of the Lord. Man, that's heavy. So it causes you to walk in instability where you cannot receive the promises of God. Unstable in the mind. Yes, but no, but yes, but no. I believe, but I don't. I believe, but I don't. Notice that. Jesus had to deal with that in a father before he could get a miracle to the father's son. Mark chapter nine, you know the story. In Mark chapter nine, they bring a demon possessed boy to Jesus 
And the parents said, listen, we brought our son to your disciples and they could not cast the demon out of him. Jesus said, you faith, you faithless generation, how long do I have to stay with you? He said, bring the boy to me. And they brought the boy to Jesus. And the father says something to Jesus that kind of takes him by surprise. He said, it's been happening to him for a long time. If you can do anything, please help him. Notice that if you can do anything, please help him. I like the new living rendering here. What do you mean? If I can believe all things are possible to him that believes. I love that response from Jesus. What do you mean? If I can, what do you mean? If I can, the ESV says it this way, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. What are you talking about? If I can, I'm the son of God. I'm the anointed one. I'm the Messiah. If you can, what do you mean? If I can believe all things are possible to him that believes notice the response of the, of the dad immediately. The father of the child cried out and said, I do believe help my unbelief. So he admits it right there. Two things going on. I've got belief, but I've also got unbelief. It's double-mindedness. I believe, but I also got unbelief. Hmm. So there's a position you can find yourself in that keeps you from receiving from God. It's a position of double-mindedness. I listen, I have to be like this. God's got no plan B. He's got plan A and I believe plan A with my whole heart. I believe plan A. I don't have backup plans. What are you going to do if it doesn't work out? There is no belief that it won't work out. Amen. Peter didn't have a belief at the beginning that it wasn't going to work. When he said, Lord, if it's really you on the water, call me to come out to you. He said, come. He swung his legs over the boat and jumped out on the water. He didn't put his toes in first. He jumped out on the water, started walking. You know why? He didn't have any unbelief that it would work when it was time to work. He said, Jesus, you've got a plan A. I'll follow plan A. Plan A is going to work. He stepped out and started walking and doing the impossible. That's what the life of a believer should look like. I don't have backup plans. What are you going to do if ministry doesn't work out for you, brother? What are you going to do? I don't have any plans if this doesn't work out. God called me to do it. I believe it's going to work. I'm doing it. You know, my, my guidance counselor in high school got really mad at me because when I went in, in to meet with her about college, she, she was so mad that I didn't have any other applications out to other colleges besides Bible school. And she was so angry. What are you going to do if they don't accept you? <laughs> Which I don't think she understood about Bible colleges. Like, like will literally accept people that are deceased as long as they have the money to pay. But she was like, what are you going to do if they, I said, if they don't accept me, I said, I, I don't, I have no other plans. I know what I'm called to do. I know where I'm called to go. I knew the exact place I was called to go. I don't have other plans. I didn't put like six other uh, uh, letters in to try to, you know, applications to get into other universities. Failure is not an option. We have one plan, plan A. It's God's plan for our lives. We follow it. We follow this word. We follow the leading of his spirit. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. And so what is that? We refuse to be double-minded. I'm not going to be double-minded. She says to me in the office, well, what if, the, what if you start to be a preacher and people don't like your preaching? 
which has happened, by the way. <laughs> there are people that don't like my preaching. But she actually asked me that. Like she was concerned. What are you going to do if you become a preacher and people don't like your preaching? <laughs> you have no other options? Yeah, I got no other options. I got no other paths. It's just this. It's just this. <laughs> I refuse to be double-minded. <laughs> I refuse to be double-minded. I, re <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right, AJ. It's part of the part of the package. People, some people will like it, others won't like it. But I don't have other plans. This is the plan. This is the plan. Don't be double-minded. That's number five. Don't be double-minded. And finally, number six. <laughs> number six. The sixth fatal mistake that'll keep your faith from working is unworthiness. Oh man, get this in your spirit, unworthiness. This right here will totally destroy your faith, totally destroy it. Unworthiness, put it in number six, unworthiness. I hate this one. What a lie from the devil. What a lie from the devil against your life that you are unworthy to receive the goodness of God, unworthy to receive the promises of God, unworthy for God to work on your behalf, unworthy to receive a miracle, unworthy to see a turnaround, unworthy to have a breakthrough. What a lie from the devil that he would try to make Christians believe this. And so as a result, because they believe it, they, they don't ever step out to ask God because they say, oh, there's no reason I should be asking. I, you know, I'm so unworthy of his goodness. So unworthy. He made you worthy. Woo. Let me, let me just, this right here, man, well, just brace yourself because you might run around your office if, you, if you're at work. I might run around this table. Listen to me on this. And get this and put it in your notes. The only way that you could be unworthy of God's goodness is if Jesus is unworthy. Get this. The only way you could be unworthy is if Jesus is unworthy. Why? Because God made you a member of Christ's body. You are in Christ. Hallelujah. You are in Christ. Some of us are his fingers, others, his arms, his feet, his toes, whatever. We are the body of Christ and we got put together into one body and he's the head. Christ is the head of the body. So the only way that any of us in the kingdom could be unworthy is if Jesus himself is unworthy to receive God's goodness. And I don't think there's anybody with a brain that would try to argue that Jesus Christ is unworthy to receive the blessings of the Father. We're not separate from Jesus. We are in Christ. He's the head. He's the head. So get it again in your spirit. This is so powerful. The only way that you could be unworthy to receive God's goodness is if Jesus is unworthy to receive God's goodness because we've been placed in his body. Glory to God. And if I'm in his body, I am him. 
He is me. He's the head. I'm the body. God doesn't look differently at the head than he does the body. The only, you get this, right? The only reason that we can be totally free from sin is because not, people don't get this. They don't understand what happened. He canceled the debt of our penalty on the cross, Colossians says. Canceled it on the cross of Calvary by shedding, of, by the shedding of blood for the remission of sin. Not the covering of sin, the remission of sin. That's, he fully removed your sin from you made you not an old person, just duct taped up and healed a brand new being. And then what did he do? He put you into his body, Christ's body. And so that, that's why Paul was able to say stuff like this. I've been crucified with Christ. Well, he wasn't there at the crucifixion. He didn't go on a cross. He didn't get nailed to a cross, Paul. But Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Paul didn't get crucified. Paul, did, Paul talks about the, that he identifies with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. When Christ was raised, we were raised. How? We weren't even born yet. How? We weren't born but the Bible says in Ephesians chapter two and verse six, that even though we were dead in trespasses and in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. We weren't born. How's that possible? It's because I got placed in Jesus. I got placed in Christ. I am in him. According to the new Testament, I am in him. So I'm part, Paul had to tell the church in Corinth, don't forget that you're all members in particular of one body, the body of Christ. And so the only way we could be unworthy to receive the goodness of God is if Jesus himself is unworthy of the goodness of God. Let me read you Hebrews 4 and verse 16, then I'm going to pray for you. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, or excuse me, verse, yeah, verse 16. And here's why the devil wants you feeling unworthy. Here's why the devil wants you to be unsure about whether or not you can receive the goodness of God. You ready for this? Hebrews 4, verse 16. The Bible says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Notice, how are we supposed to draw near to the throne? How? With what? Confidence. With confidence. Let me give you another one on top of that. 1 John chapter 5. And verse, let me read you verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. So notice these two things go together. We're approaching the throne to ask for what? Grace to help in the time of need. But what do we have to have to approach? Confidence. Boldly approach the throne. First John uh, mirrors that. 
We have this confidence that, we, that he hears us when we ask. He hears us when we ask. So I want you to hear it in your spirit today. Never again should you doubt. Well, I don't know if I can ask God for anything. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a worm. I'm just a, don't listen to that nonsense. You are who God's made you to be in Christ. And he's made you worthy. These feelings of unworthiness are so demonic that make us feel like we shouldn't be able to ask God for what he wants us to ask him for. So, well, you know, I've just been through so much. I've just done so much. I don't know really if, if I should be asking the Lord for anything. No, no, ask him. Ask him and ask big. Because the Bible said in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Glory to God. Woo! That'll make you shout. We've got confidence when we approach the throne. We've got confidence when we pray. He hears us. He hears us. And he wants to answer us. Don't ever again doubt. That'll short circuit your faith to think, well, I shouldn't ask God. I don't have the... No. Activate your faith. And with boldness and with confidence, approach his throne and ask him. And he's ready to give not just what you ask, but to exceed abundance and do more than you could ask or think. According to the power that works in you. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Now listen to me. The reason I'm teaching like this, and I'm back in the studio for two straight weeks. I, I'm, I expect to see here, because I got a word for you this, these next two weeks. I'm going to build your faith. We're launched into July now. We just kick-started the beginning of the last half of this year. These six months, we're believing God. That all the things we've been confessing, sowing, and, and building towards in diligence and obedience, they're getting ready to manifest quickly in the last half of this year. It is our year of divine possession. It's our year. In fact, I want you to declare it by faith. It's my year. Make it personal. It's my year of divine possession in Jesus' name. You're going to have what you've never had. You're going to do what you've never done. You're going to go where you've never gone in the mighty name of Jesus. Mighty name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those that are watching, those listening on the podcast. And today I ask you to ignite a fresh faith in us. Thank you that this word built faith in your people. But Lord, we've made up our mind. We will not miss out on what you have for us. Our faith will be active. Our faith will be productive. Our faith will be efficient in Jesus name. And Father, I thank you that there's explosive increase coming to God's people. Those that are believing for miracles, let them quickly manifest. Lord, as you've already done for some, even in the first half of this year, we declare it by the power of your spirit that this is our time to receive what you have for us. We're going to go where we've never been. We're going to have what we've never had. We're going to do what we've never done. We've not been this way before in Jesus name. We've not been this way before. And so, Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. Any good thing came from you. And we thank you for that. Any good thing came from you. Nowhere else. Our, our help only comes from you, Lord. And so we thank you. And we give you praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Somebody throw some hands up if you believe it. Today's your day. This is your year you'll have what God said you can have. Glory to God. Listen, put yourself in position to receive some increase. Put some seed in the ground 
and watch what God will do with the seed you give him. And I'm challenging you on this Tuesday to put a seed in the ground, a seed that takes faith to release, takes faith to sow. You can see on the screen the ways you can sow. Uh, MiracleWord.com has all of the ways that you can sow your seed. And then, of course, you can use PayPal or Venmo, Cash App, uh, hashtag donate on Facebook or Twitter, uh, cryptocurrency. There's all kinds of ways to sow. And so, but take that, take that step of faith today and sow your, and, and sow your seed and watch what God will do. In the month of July, um, I've got a couple of things that we want to put in your hand. Number one, uh, as I've been talking about today, uh, you've got to be led by God's spirit. The greatest act of humility, I said this earlier, is being led by the word and being led by the spirit. Brother Hagin wrote a powerful book that every Christian needs in their library, how you can be led by the spirit of God. It'll teach you how to be led by the Holy Ghost. For those partnering this month at $85 or more, we want to sow this into you uh, as our way of saying thank you. For those sowing at $250 or more, we're going to include uh, Brother E.W. Kenyon's powerful book, The Blood Covenant. This is a must read as well. I have this in my library, both of these. But this will open your eyes to things you never, ever knew about the covenant you have with Christ, the covenant you have with God, the blood covenant. And then finally, for those sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to include the Net Study Bible, 60,000 translators notes. Uh, you can come back to me, Tiff. This, I love this study Bible. This is like so valuable to me. I've, I've, I've gained, and I've been studying the Bible for my whole life. I mean, since I was a kid. And I've gained so many insights just from this one. I got so excited when I saw this had come out and understood what it was that I bought one and then I bought a digital version because I always want it with me. But this is our gift to you uh, for your seat of $1,000 as well with other two books as well. Rosie, we love you. It's great to meet you as well. Yes, absolutely. Great to see you. We had a great camp meeting with Pastor Mark Hankins. And so take a minute to do it, miracleword.com. And then... Uh, let me just make a couple of announcements while you're sowing your seed today. Uh, again, the brand new Divine Possession t-shirts are available. The acid wash tees with the uh, graphic. We did Divine Possession and uh, you got to get it. This thing is an awesome t-shirt. I looked at them because they're all really unique. Each one's different because they're acid wash. Ka Carolyn's looks totally different than mine. And um, <laughs> Michelle can't stand my money-driven ministry. She's, she's over it. She's over preachers like me, and she doesn't want anybody sowing $1,000 or more. In all caps, wow, with three exclamation points. Michelle Page is over this ministry. She's over, the, she's over me. She's over all of this. Thanks for tuning in, Michelle. I appreciate you very much. You know, it actually does take finances to preach the gospel. I know you think it's like just happens randomly, but it actually does uh, take finances. Um, <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Um, <laughs> I love it. I thought I, I'm actually very happy to see Michelle's comment because I thought that by now Facebook had pretty much by their algorithm. Um, filtered out anybody that didn't want to see these uh, messages. And I thought it was just basically feeding it to the people that have just always watched us. But with Michelle's comment, I can see 
that we're still seeing some organic reach from Facebook uh, of people that don't normally tune in. So that makes me happy that Facebook has not completely uh, pigeonholed us into uh, just who always sees the stuff. So thank you, Michelle. I appreciate you letting me know that others have seen it. Also, kids shirts. We got all the kids shirts available. These two new ones are so awesome. Uh, I wish I had an adult size. Once I saw it, I wanted the adult size. So if you want to check out the new kids shirts, shop.miracleword.com. We've also put together a kids box for the summer for your children and uh, has all kinds of stuff in it, a water bottle, stickers, beach ball, uh, candy, all ki- and one of the shirts uh, you can choose. It's got all kinds of stuff in it and uh, we'll send it to you as well. And then uh, finally, let me say the new magazine. If you're not signed up to receive it, receive it. Please go to miracleword.com forward slash live. Sign up. We want to send it to you absolutely free. And then uh, on top of that, if you're overseas, we'll send you a digital version. We've got some amazing things in this edition. Brand new testimony that's like mind blowing what God did recently. Baffled doctors. We want to show it to you. It'll, it'll bless you. Dave Juleson. Love you, bro. Didn't know if you're driving truck today or what you're up to, but love you and Lisa very much. Hope you guys are blessed. Listen, I'll be with you all week. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be back at 10.30 in the morning. Carolyn's live at 2 o'clock p.m. It's going to be a great couple of weeks. And uh, I've got some things that I want to share with you from the Spirit of God. So I love you. Have a great day. And uh, I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.